Nick, I don't like how I can't see half your face. Yeah, <laughs> your camera is so high. I can't be comfortable, apparently. There we go. You can, just make your camera, make it not <laughs> as bad. Like, we're seeing from, like, your bottom lip up. <laughs> <laughs> there, hold on, there, is this, is this better? I don't know. Because currently it's just your tits. If you're trying to get but... your tits in the screen, they're in it, but it's not just your tits. It's like when... It's like when Darkside Phil jacked off on uh, on camera and he didn't know it. You know, we were only able to see the, the top portion of him, but you knew what was going on. And we got our blooper already. Welcome to You Hate to See It, everyone. My name's Adam. I'm Jeff. I'm Nick. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, hello, Dirk. I'd like to uh, give a special shout-out to uh, all the MILFs out there. My name is Dirk. I'm here for you emotionally and supportively, all right? And uh, I am... Uh, unless you need him too much. <laughs> unless you need him too much. I can off, only but... spread myself so thin, but... Yeah, I'm from uh, Super Arrogant Bros on uh, Arrogant Media and Madcast Media. Beautiful. So I like how we've now brought in the new target audience of MILFs into... You didn't have them in the first place? <laughs> Not that I know of. Son, what are you doing? <laughs> Unless they are young MILFs. <laughs> <laughs> Which, honestly, with our generation, a lot of... Not, yeah, not yes. impossible. <laughs> so this week... I'm drinking, uh, so my, uh, so the vodka mixture that I had last week is, uh, been added to. I now have some, so I have this big jug. Is that piss? And, uh, I hope it Very not. well could be. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is some, oh, there's a lot of alcohol in this piss, so that's a problem. Um, is it so though? it started off with, this much was already in here of mixtures of wine, alcohol, uh, vodka, and uh, Sprite. And then I have, every time I we record, I pour more into it. So now I've added some lemonade, a two liter of Sprite, and a full bottle of pineapple vodka is the new thing in here. It sounds um, like what you're doing is like universal yeah. stew where everything goes into it. Like when it... Yeah, that's what it is, yeah. So, yeah, so I, think I, I get to about is... an inch left. And then I add more. So I'm still drinking alcohol from three months ago, probably. But <laughs> the thing you'll learn about us is uh, we are human trash cans or receptacles <laughs> for alcohol. It doesn't matter the way it comes as long as there is alcohol. Would you, okay, would you be open for putting a My Little Pony in, in the jar? I don't, like like a doll? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's exactly it. Because then it's going to raise questions. A flash drive with the TV shows? <laughs> oh, okay. So, sure. I Do you mean, know what that's it. from? <laughs> okay, no. there are there exist bronies out there who would put My Little Pony figures inside a cum jar. I, uh... I don't... I, don't, so... I need to go get real alcohol now. I'll... <laughs> I'm gonna go get real alcohol. <laughs> Nick's gonna go find his jar of. <laughs> Nick's like, I gotta take. He's like, they've caught on to us. I gotta go take that out of the jar now. <laughs> I actually have a story involving a bottle of apple juice. I can tell you here. Uh, there's this guy that I know 
who I'm going to call him Italian Jesus because that was the nickname that I gave him for the longest time. And the, the dude thought that he was so cool, but like this, this took him down a peg, which was great. Now, my friends had what was referred to as the party house. And in the party house was a bottle of unfinished apple juice. And some guy, someone used it to, to piss in. And at one point, a couple was, was doing it and the load went into the apple juice. And it still sat there for a little while. Well, Italian Jesus was partying with the guys there and he's supposed to do a shot. And I'm, I forget what it's for. I think it was like vodka or something not rum because that's what he likes to pretend he's so cool with. But he's bitching, oh, but I need a chaser after I take this shot. So he takes the shot and grabs the apple juice and starts chugging it. And you're able to watch every drip go down his throat. And he had no idea what was in that apple juice either. So ever since then, like if, if you didn't like the guy, you would express it by saying, hey, I've got some apple juice for you. Yeah, that almost makes it seem like what we did in my party house, like fucking lame. So we had a rule in college. So we had, we lived in a house. We quote unquote, I lived in the house with four other people. And these two fuckers lived there also rent free. I, I have a freeloader. <laughs> I, I had oh, an abo- so under 21, I had an apartment so I buy two blocks away. So, so yeah. Like I lived were, across the street. <laughs> they were always over. And we had this rule during – so we had this big whiteboard in the first room when you walk into the house for parties during college that had a list of rules. But they were always like – they're like – there's actual, like, housekeeping rules of, like, hey, don't break shit. Don't do something stupid. Like, don't smoke weed in the house. Like, that type of shit. Like, if you're going to go smoke, go yeah, smoke good outside. Yeah, um, and then at the bottom of it, it says, uh, if you're reading the rules, you have to shotgun a beer. <laughs> All right. Great. Yeah. Rule. Um, but we had a rule on there that was, if someone asks you what you want to drink and you say, oh, give me anything, you get an anything shot. And an anything yeah. shot is we take every bottle of alcohol in the house and take we take a shooter and we pour a little bit of every single bottle of alcohol in there. There's one time we did it and there was like 35 bottles that we had to like just put little drops into. And then you take the anything shot and let me tell you that thing is fucking horrendous. I, I've oh. taken it twice. Once because I was new to the friend group and did not know, and had already shotgunned the beer, so I was like, I'm never reading these rules again. Yeah, because that rule is repeating. Like, it is, if you are ever looking at the whiteboard for more than, like, three seconds, we can tell you're fucking reading it. Like, you are shotgunning a beer now. Doesn't matter time of day. Like, it could just be a person in the house. Like, I've had to do it once at, like, fucking 8 a.m. Because I was about to, I was, like, standing there, like, just waiting to, like, go to my class. And I was, like, reading the board. And then my roommate came down and he's like, hey, don't forget the last rule. I'm like, yep. So, and then the, <laughs> the second time was because I was already drunk. And was like, fuck it, get me in anything. And everyone looked at me and they're like, because they know I know the rule. And they're like, is that really what you want? And like, <laughs> once we become friends, they're like, are you sure? Like, are you sure that's what you want to say? To <laughs> I've this? had to and do I was it once like, I never did it again. Bring fuck me that. in anything. Like, let's Well, the great go. thing about the anything shot is it stops the party. Because the second, someone's, cause the second someone says anything, everyone that lives in the house immediately just goes, hey, everyone like come on gather all the alcohol bottles in the house let's go we gotta get together <laughs> we're convening <laughs> <laughs> God. 
Um, all right, oh. but let's move on because we actually only got through Adam's fucking alcoholic ass and then went on this <laughs> tangent. Yeah. Uh, I'm just drinking Budweiser because I have like three 24 packs for some reason because I came home and there was three 24 packs. So um, I I was going to be a good boy with my O'Doul's uh, 0.5% alcohol beer. Um, but then you said something about uh, the ponies. So now I'm drinking screwball whiskey. <laughs> so we pulled a real big U-turn yeah, very fast. We went from – that's like <laughs> – no, We went from – That's 0. like a 30,000 percent increase. <laughs> we went from 0.5% alcohol to – 35% alcohol. <laughs> Nick, we took a hard turn. <laughs> Nick is concerned about his health. Even though he's the youngest one out of all of us, he, he thinks that his health is in jeopardy, so he's he's drinking less. That's a good a reason to. <laughs> a lot, lot less. No, we've, we've also, all agreed. But yeah, also I've also completely stopped. I stopped vaping, drinking, and caffeine cold turkey. I want to die constantly. Oh, Dirk looks like he fucking hates No, you. I don't hate him. I feel bad for him. Like, I don't know what I would do without my coffee. Like, my my house... It, okay, so, they're, like, Folgers is, like, Pabst Blue Ribbon in that it doesn't... In that it doesn't belong <laughs> in my house. I I drink the good yes, shit. thank you. So, you also hate... You yes. also hate PBR. So, we can... All right, we're bonding. We're good. PBR, trash <laughs> beer. Don't understand why people like it. Continue on. <laughs> well, I mean, after these two beers are, are done, though, like I've only got a uh, Francis Connor Weiss beer, uh, just a, a Belgian beer, and then I've got a uh, just a fucking tall boy Budweiser. But what I might do later tonight is I might bring open one of my, not this one because it's signed, but um, the Slipknot number nine whiskey. Oh. I'm so fucking jealous now. I've never tried it. I've oh. never tried it. And I'm a fucking Slipknot fan. It's I'm worth so the 40 mad. bucks for the number nine whiskey, but the nine reserve for 70 bucks, it's smooth. Buddy, Like I don't know where you're from. I'm from Iowa where... I'm from... So I'm from the Quad Cities. Oh, okay, okay. But I'm on the Illinois side, but... So yes, the worst like I'm side. A huge, I'm also... Yeah, the shitty side. But I am a huge <laughs> Slipknot fan, so... Yes, this this heavy metal thing is going to happen at some point during this podcast. <laughs> well, you being in Illinois, it means that you have uh, a faster way of getting to concerts that I want to go off to go to. Oh, I don't live there anymore. You don't live there, but okay. I'm from there. Okay, no, because like uh, all the bands that are on my bucket list, whenever they come into the United States, it's always going to be in Illinois. It's never in Iowa. So it's like if I want to see when I went to see Demons and Wizards, uh, that was in Chicago. Eluvite, Chicago. Yeah. I can see that. Um, I guess I'm not a huge, like, I love, I, I guess it depends on what you consider heavy metal, but, like, I am a huge, like, if it's not, like, hard rock into metal, into screamo, into, like, anything past that, like, if it's before hard rock, I'm probably just not enjoying it. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you want something that has a pair of balls to it. It's so, like, I listen to a lot of uh, black metal or, like, Winter Sun is one of my favorites. To give you perspective, the hardest I get is like Three Days Grace. The hardest I get is uh, Tay Tay. No, <laughs> first of all, Tay Tay is the love of my life. Second <laughs> of all, the hardest I get is uh, Hollywood Undead. I'll help you. I'll help you. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong. Let me help you. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I hate people that are like 
heavy metal isn't music like it doesn't take skill and it's like have you ever tried to scream like have you ever tried to do screamo that shit don't the work generals are fucking hard don't... yeah and then like also i think a huge i mean it's not a huge factor of like but my main defense is when people are like screamo's not music i'm like listen to like Corey taylor when he's not doing screamo like he has a beautiful voice like stone sour stuff like he doesn't really scream a lot in most like some of those songs and it's like he has a beautiful singing voice like why are we saying that screamo artists can't fucking actually do anything well there's like two arguments that i absolutely hate regarding heavy metal so the first one is when someone thinks that it's just because it's heavier it's angry when in return it's like Samael, one of my favorites is some of the most positive music that you can listen to uh completely cosmic metal in the way that it feels and then you've got hate breed which is absolutely nothing but positive every time i listen to it uh yeah it's not like it's because of the aspect of like they're screaming boom automatically they're mad satanism fucking ah like they want everyone to die like yeah. it's like that's not like okay maybe like with some screamo bands you can't understand the lyrics but like it they're not always aggressive bullshit like <laughs> they're not sending a bad message yeah. like i'm on like that alternative rock side of things that's also where i lean more towards yeah i'm like i'm alternative rock pop um i'm really into like greta van fleet right now um, one of my all-time favorite bands is uh, oh fuck, oh I hate myself that I've forgotten them. Uh, fuck, it's the girl from uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh, uh, pretty, pretty reckless. reckless. Yes, yeah. pretty reckless. I love pretty reckless. Like pretty reckless is pretty hard for me mm-hmm. and my tastes and stuff. And Hollywood Undead is like a some songs. I'm a fan of some songs that's too much for Hollywood me. Undead for me is comedic music to me. Like, it's just funny to me. Oh, I'll like, that's how that's how I look at it. It's like, it's just fun party type music. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned War Child. I will do stupid shit to War Child at a party. <laughs> I will do really dumb shit to War Child at a party. I have done really stupid shit. I will, I will fuck to Meshuggah and try to make sure that my thrusts are at the same beat of Meshuggah. Don't worry about the time signature switches that happen every time. It's, I'm going to make it work. But also, <laughs> Meshuggah is also the band where it's like when I saw them live, I, I wished so much that, that I was tripping on something because that's exactly what the music is for. But like you mentioned Greta Van Fleet though, that band is, is actually very important. And the reason for that is like with classic rock, we've already heard Led Zeppelin. We've already heard ACDC. And so we need bands that, that actually go for that kind of sound, but is newer music anyway. So that way you've, you've got something bigger for your collection. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's, what, that that's my big lie. thing is classic rock. Like I should have been born in 1970 something. I was born in the wrong generation. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, should mean, like, a, I should be a boomer motherfucker. <laughs> At this point, it's kind of, well, I guess not at this point, but, like, that's kind of why, like, throughout the, like, 2000s and stuff, like, for me, when I, like, it's kind of, like, why Metallica was, like, still fucking trying so hard, was, like, we need this sound, like, we need this to keep going, we need people to pick up on this. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, Metallica during the 90s, though, I think, like, I don't like hard rock, but I think Metallica made the best hard rock during the mid-90s. I just like their double bass pedal, honestly. Like, it I'm just, uh, nice. Back when Lars could do it. <laughs> yeah, when exactly. I like, to, yeah. <laughs> when I listen to classic rock, I, like, I'll listen to, like, actual classic rock from, like, the 70s and 80s and be like, I hate that. But I listen to heavy metal from the 70s and 80s and like that's classic rock to me because it's now considered classic rock and like that's my classic rock is like the heavy metal from then and then like mid 90s that kind of shifted it got too hard for me well that's when the wonderful all-time great Slipknot started to fucking make their music and <laughs> came out and yeah changed everything well, yeah, they they changed everything in certain realms of metal. Like the idea of having nine members in a band. Like some people scrutinize the band for that reason, but it's like that's how they're able to to play the certain music that they write live, anyway. Yeah, exactly. And like it's one of my uh, there's like this like meme type of a video that I saw on Facebook like a year ago or something, and it's one of my all time favorite things I've ever seen. And it is uh, it was captioned when you are the first ever sound person for Slipknot, like the sound tech guy at a concert for Slipknot. And it's the guy like standing there at like a soundboard and he's like, all right, you guys ready to go through your practice run? And he's like, all right, cool. He's like, hey, can we get those fucking empty kegs off the goddamn stage? Like what, <laughs> what's those for? And then it's like, no, we use those during the set. And he's like, you, you play an empty keg. And they're like, yeah, with these baseball bats. He's like, what the fuck is going on yeah but it works and it works so yeah, well it does uh, like because i've seen slipknot live twice now i sadly never got to see them before their bassist died which sucks but i saw them on the first tour right after that and i mean how can you not love sid like sid is literally there to like just jump off shit and be an insane dumb fucking human being light himself on fire jump off stuff break his ankles run through the crowd in a mosh pit doesn't fucking matter like yeah i play the dj but i'm gonna fuck everything in this do you know how sid uh, joined the band actually i do not so back when they were starting out and, and before when they were recruiting somebody uh when sid had his turn to to try out for the band he was actually picking fights with with clown and after the whole the whole thing was done clown just said no he's he's in the fucking band this is done maybe sometimes it's all you need and then from there i mean like look what they've done yeah they've won they won what did they win they've won it like grammys haven't they yeah 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 like what the fuck like that's the insane thing that like everyone's like yeah like those people don't have talent it's like they want a fucking grammy like <laughs> like what do you mean they don't have talent like literally there is a whole population of the world that was like give them that award yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that's actually how i was approached to do D. so this is a great discussion about dungeons and dragons though yeah, it is. yeah. <laughs> you want to get into some fucking dungeons and dragons uh, <laughs> hey kid you no, like role-playing um... games <laughs> uh, <we're... laughs> so my my literally so my first experience playing D D. so my roommate at the time who we call tech guy uh love you tech guy he's not editing this episode but you know uh he uh 
he bet me uh, and I lost to play D&D because I was like on the, I was a jock growing up. So, and I was on the, ah, oh, D&D, it's for losers and nerds and stuff. Yeah. Where are you? We, like you fucking weirdos. And uh, he bet me. And so I lost and I was like, okay, we'll play. I'll, I'll play a one D&D session and we'll see how I like it. And all his party was online on Roll20. I play it. And I was like, you know, I don't hate it, but I don't like it. And, and I happened... come Nick and Jeff. Well, and then I would happen <laughs> to be getting drunk at uh, Jeff's house, uh, like, the next day. And I was talking to him about this. And he was like, oh, you should try it live action. And I was like, that's a thing? Sure. Like what? And he and I was like, these are all my new friends at the time. Like, we weren't all that close yet. He's like, you should try it out with us. We play every Wednesday. And I was like, okay. So so they helped me because the people that I played with the last, the first time did not help me really make a character. And so uh, our buddy Justin sat down with me and helped me build a character where I was a bard. And my name was Tim Buck Two, and it—it uh, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. I became so we started in present day, and session one, I uh, because I'm a bard. I was in college, and I was uh, my instrument was a triangle, and I was in a band. Right. So we were at a bar performing, and I'm playing the triangle, and so my. Uh, my stick was a dagger because that was the way that just to explain things easier for me. So, so you have a dagger and I have the triangle and I bang with my dagger on the triangle and I was an alcoholic um, because, you know, we had Xanathar's guide. So I got all these extra traits and I became an alcoholic and uh, in my drunkenness, I asked the knife, slipped out of my hand and stabbed Nick's character in the shoulder. Now, I then went and was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I brought Nick and I went to convince Nick to go into the back room. Nick was like, no, no, I don't want to go to the back room. And I'm a bard, so I charmed him into going into the back room. And uh, so we went to the back room and uh, I pulled the knife out and I was like, oh, poor baby, poor baby. And then I pulled my dick out and fucked his knife wound in his shoulder. <laughs> and every time, and with every pain, so every thrust of my penis, Nick got to roll to break the charm and he kept failing. So I fucked Nick to completion in the shoulder with a knife wound that I caused and then t told, convinced Nick that I didn't cause it. Okay, that's how love works now. <laughs> well, yeah, I definitely played to my strengths. And, and uh, Nick rolled bad. So <laughs> that's still. So that was the start to our campaign. And that might have been my favorite campaign we've ever done. And we still haven't completed it. Yeah, we're still not bad. done with that. We've like put it on the hold for like two years. So my first character in that campaign. It was amazing. We, I love well, that character. It was amazing, but it's also the reason we got sent back in time. Um, <laughs> I played a... I, I homebrewed a gnome. 
it was a gnome vampire. So my whole thing was I made my thralls by biting them in the thigh because that's the only place I could reach. <laughs> <laughs> so during that time that uh, Adam was shoulder-fucking Nick, I was going around a nightclub biting people in the thigh and <laughs> draining blood to make them thralls. Jesus Christ. And we... <laughs> yeah, this was a whole shit show of a first session. Like yeah. I don't think any of it was how it was supposed to go, but our DM did a really good job of somehow making it all work out i think and it was then, mostly because of me because i didn't know how to play and i was just bullshitting my way through it all so well we rolled up upon like seven witches like all doing like this ritual around a bonfire and my like we were trying to figure out how we wanted to go about it and i was just like well, they're all distracted. Why don't we just kill them all? And they're like, okay. So I went up to kill one and I swung, but I missed on my surprise attack. So then an initiative started, but I got the highest initiative. So I immediately took the first witch right in front of me and I had like 19 strength because my rolls were fucking weird. Like I had like 19 strength and like negative charisma. Like I was not a great person. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, Baba Yaga. So I grabbed the witch and threw her into the bonfire which completed the ritual surprisingly which sucks ass nice so I threw her into it and we summoned like the a russian myth- no it was the russian myth- like mythology like time god. yeah like time god that came out and he came out and on his first step out punted my character which is a gnome and he is a god <laughs> And he punted me, and I went. I think we rolled for like how the distance on like a D one hundred. I rolled like seven. Like I rolled like so, a seventy. So which you meant heard I got punted our seven crazy miles. Ass, what's and crazy ass died on it. What's like the most <laughs> so bullshit session or character when we got into the new timeline? So I I did a warlock at one point, and this is in fifth edition as well, and. um I burned down a church in, in the session and I completely got away with it. Like the paladin tried, tried uh, like in, in game figuring out if, if my character did it or not. And with warlock, it's like, you have a charisma based build. So uh, I don't know how, but I guess I rolled in a way that made it so that the paladin <laughs> believed me when I said, oh, I didn't do it. And so I have a Blackcraft cult t-shirt where it's got a silhouette of a burning church that says stay lit. So for the next session, I wore that t-shirt just to see like who would get it. (laughs) But beyond that session though, uh, my character was, uh, was stolen from by the rogue in the group. And my character immediately knew like, okay, you, you did this. So in order to earn our trust, you need to go out and do this suicide mission. You need to go kill an owlbear so in the session uh when the the character when the rogue was approaching the owlbear uh, i cast a spell just to wake it up and get it agitated and so during this this uh combat phase i uh w- when people were trying to help out the rogue and help heal it i mean that's how it should i be. would uh, I, burned, I would just cast uh, a, I would cast a, a well, how old was he Jeff? at that helping character just to get them to back off yeah I i'm burned a 16 year old pubes if off the, easy if the character calls for it me and one other character uh one of our buddies we were playing and 
we came across uh for some reason our dm decided to do this and a bunch of orcs had captured a bunch of human women no yeah they were trolls a bunch of trolls had captured a bunch of human women and then we're and raping like, them. raping them and so we went in to save these women and uh our DM decided to tell us that one of them was pregnant. And we were like, we sat there for probably an hour discussing like, what do we do? Because she will die if she gives birth to this because it's a troll growing in her stomach or like, we, we did not know what to do. And we were like, the only like we have to get this thing out of her is the only way to, that we can figure out to save her life. Well, none of us, we're all murder hobos. Was it so none of spell? us are like <laughs> equipped for this kind of situation. So our one buddy Garrett, he had claws and I was a healer. So it wasn't what, claws that he used. Oh, uh, he used uh, shocking grasp as, okay. as Adam held the girl. And just healing word on her as he <laughs> so, talking grasped her womb. So that was my reaction was like too. Ripping and her I was open there. and pulling the baby out at the same time that I was casting a healing word on her. <laughs> to, so we aborted this baby. Oh, okay. <laughs> by a one two punch. <laughs> that was everyone's reaction that was there. It was the only way we could think of to save her life. <laughs> Because none of us were equipped to handle the situation. And for some reason, our DM decides to make this a situation that we had to deal with. All right. So, Off of our god-awful bullshit D&D campaigns where you, I could tell you already just fucking hate everything about anything we've ever played. <laughs> <laughs> what got you into tabletop-type gaming? So growing up, I was actually not allowed to play things like Dungeons & Dragons. Like my parents were telling me, you know, this is like my parents actually bought into the 1990s satanic panic. So things like Pokemon, I couldn't play as a kid. And so my first time doing D and D, I had to sneak the fact that I was doing it and um, you know, and I liked it, but after high school, it's like, I can't find anybody to, to play this with. So it's like, <laughs> I lost uh, any knowledge of how to do so. So I had to wait, I had to like wait a while to be able to get back into it. And I, I like Dungeons and Dragons, but I love Pathfinder uh, because I'm one of those old school old farts that likes the, the more, more detailed and more um, optional. Like it, it gives you so much more to work with. Whereas I tend to refer to fifth edition as like Dungeons and Dragons with training wheels. And, but one, one of the games that I miss the most though, uh, so like people that know about Warhammer know about the miniature game that you're able to play, mm-hmm. but they actually came out with Warhammer 40k role-playing games. And the, the, the first game I played with it was, oh, it was, um, God, I forgot the name of it. It was one where you play as the Inquisition in this in this universe so you are looking for heresy before, in the name actually. of the that emperor sounds like something we've done and i i remember one of my characters was like a, a tech priest where we tried carterizing a wound using a flamethrower no son we just ended up burning the whole man down 
Jesus. Probably. You can use the door. You can yeah, that sounds like some battery shit. So we play 5e in a way of like, yeah, there's training wheels, but we play it way more just like, based off of our friend group, it's just a lot of like, if you roll roll high enough, like, fuck it, let's see what happens And we've all done like, like our homebrew spin thing. Play, like I've done a Civil War campaign. I'm yeah, currently we, doing a Mass Effect 5e like tra- stress reliever more than like transition. anything. Like we all really enjoy um, it. Like we think it's cool, but like it's honestly just kind of a way to get out true. of real life for a little bit. This is true. And and usually when we play by the book, it never works out because someone has to fuck everything up. Yeah. And like you have to do homebrew in our friend group or else it's not gonna work. To move on and actually talk to our guests, uh you brought up Warhammer, like forty K. Yeah. What exactly is that as like we've played we've really only played like Wizards of the Coast. D&D 5e. Okay. It's really all we ever played. Uh what is that as a tabletop game? Like what how is that different than like what we play and why people don't really know about it? Well, so it was it was created by people that wanted to make a war game with whatever with like anything goes. And so in in the universe of Warhammer 40k, it is taking place in the 40th millennium. The emperor of mankind has been dead for the last 10,000 years, and he's just a skeleton corpse on top of a throne being fed the souls of 1,000 people every day just so it's able to be alive. And in this universe, uh, the, the Imperium of Man, the Imperium of Man uh, turned the emperor into this god figure, which was against what the emperor wanted. Uh, but anything that goes against the emperor is heresy. So in the Inquisition, it's like you are you're like a, a brainwashed uh, servant of God. Uh, in the tabletop, uh, in the miniature game itself, where you you paint the miniatures and and put them on a table, it's just a strategic war game with whatever faction you want to use from the selection that you want. So it's not really like so much of your party working together as it can be like every player for themselves. Uh, I mean, I suppose you could do teams if you wanted to, but yeah, like you're, you're trying to win a, a battle over this. Uh, so yeah, it's not, it's not like a D and D party. It's you're all on your own with your own faction. Yeah. That's what Warhammer 40 K originally is. But uh, in recent years, they came out with the role-playing games where, yeah, you, you have a party of, of people, there's different ones than than just dark heresy where you're an in- inquisitor there's like um there's one where you actually play as space pirates and you get to have a ship that's either as small for as small as like for 10 people or it can be as big as seattle jesus fuck all right oh. this seems like something i'm down for oh it's <laughs> It's super good. It's super good. And then if you want to like learn about the lore within 40k, there is a an online series called from um, a YouTuber called Brava Alphabusa called If the Emperor Had a Text to Speech Device. So it's completely comedic, but it's educational in the background, the characters, and the the factions where they come from. And so it's like I, I learned so much about 40k just from that that web series itself. Yeah. So like, but it is it seems like it's very like in per like because you get to paint the miniatures and stuff. Like, how does that work? Like, do you have to have a certain amount of miniatures like to be able to play the game, or is it like? Yeah, actually. So you have to have an army, and 
at the beginning of a game, you, you both decide on how many points you want to use. And that determines how many figures you have for your, your army. So it's like a larger, a larger figure is going to be worth X amount of points and like a group of uh, five figures will be worth X amount of points. So you have to make sure it all goes no higher than that number you both decide on. Okay. I can't remember if it was you or your co-host. I was one of the, I think it might've been your most recent episode. You said like, you guys spent like $600 recently on miniatures. One of you. Is that you? Oh, that was wasn't you. I me. Think I stuck a nerve. It wasn't me. It was it was Stev, my co-host. He okay. blows so much money on this thing, <laughs> but like he gets so engrossed into it, it's like I don't blame him. I mean, if you get a kid into it, they're not going to have money for drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Which I might mean, be a great thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I want I want I mean, my kid to get into Warhammer 40k because they will be too poor to buy drugs. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I sympathize with that. There, have, Adam's been there. There have been times where I've walked into the comic shops expecting to spend like ten bucks and spend like ninety. Oh, I literally one. I'm still trying to get through some shit. I bought over a hundred fifty dollars with the comics once. It happens. It, it seriously happens. Like you I really don't want it to happen. I like, did. Yeah, you go in that. with your pull list being five issues long, and then you, and you come like, out with. Nice. 20 issues and i've decided to, i decided to buy every issue up till current of justice league dark <laughs> i've done that but not with comics i did it with uh magic cards and i still am not even through the amount of magic cards i bought to be able to make like i haven't even started making decks from the cards i bought i can't do I still, magic i want to go through all the rest of the cards i bought a bunch of magic sure. cards and decide that i should just resell all of my magic cards because i end up building decks online and never looking at the cards that I actually own. Yeah, because oh. of quarantine, we've all started playing on. Uh, have you ever heard of Tabletop Simulator? Yeah, yeah, it's a game. On, it's a thing on Steam where you can literally play any type of tabletop game. Like people have, mo- have mods where you, and one of the mods is like a whole table for people who are going to play Magic, and you can. There's a website that you can also just go and make any Magic deck you want with any card, and it's free. So why spend money on magic cards when we can now all just play online with any card we want and build any deck we want based off of the cards? And it's like, and that's what we do now. And I'm like, why did I spend all this money on magic cards? And I'm not even through all of them. And now we're playing online and I'm real fucking sad about the money I use. Yeah, <laughs> I can't, I can't go... afford to do that because I routinely spend like $30 a week on comics and that's too much. Yeah, and but now with Magic, we all just are like, okay, so we really like these decks that we built online, so we're just going to go to cardkingdom.com and buy the cards that we need to make the decks. So we're like, why the fuck? Like, if we want to test decks, we randomly go, who wants to play Magic tonight? And then we test out our decks, and then we edit them from there, and then <laughs> build them in real life. One of my, like, favorite things is, like, we, like, because, you know, we're so caught up with, like, movies and shows and actors and stuff like that. I always love, like, when you, like, I, like, you watch a certain actor for so long and then you find out that they're just, like, five eight five nine it's like my, my favorite no, thing so, is that on, when Adam, speaking... Adam went to, <laughs> yeah, Adam went to C2E2. Yeah. So, so, uh, we all went to C2E2 and, uh, I met Stephen Amell who plays Arrow. And I went and 
So I have a photo of him, and he is much shorter than me. He is also when I so I met him twice because I did his signing and then I did a photo op with him. And when I shook his hand, I felt like my hand <laughs> could eat his entire forearm. You got those skinny little hands, and uh, like I like my, I have big hands too, though. So yeah, like, you scarecrow looking ass. So I could like my hand like his tips of his fingers would come to like my second knuckles like i was like eating him and (laughs) exactly how you think i meant it is how i meant it (laughs) son no i i get that like i i met uh i did a meet and greet with insane clown posse a few years ago and those those dudes just those dudes fucking towered over me like I thought it was a big dude already, but like seeing how they towered over me like that was just incredible. I think Kevin Conroy was also taller than I was as well. Like, yeah, he's a tall man. Yeah, I, I've oh, I've met so many people in like in the industries that I that I talk about, and I've done so many like interviews. I've met my favorite band before, but then like I've only gotten starstruck where I lost my, I had a hard time holding my shit together when I met Kevin Conroy. I, I feel like I would be the same way. Kevin Conroy is such a large part of my childhood. So I wasn't allowed to watch that kind of shit throughout my childhood. Iron Man 1 was the first superhero thing my mom agreed to letting me watch. Really? So, okay. Yeah. My mom thought, so like the violent video games were coming out when I was growing up and my mom thought I was going to be a serial killer. So... <laughs> I wasn't allowed to play any shooting games. My so parents bought me like rated M games when I was like eight. So, yeah, I like to think M's mom was actually Tipper Gore. But no, I met Mark Ruffalo at C two E two as well, and let me tell you, expectations met. Like, <laughs> however, whatever you think Mark Ruffalo is, that's what he is. <laughs> Size, shape, personality everything that he because he's so famous they had like a a line of people and it was do you want to purchase a photo of him to sign no cool go to the next person okay do you what do you have for him to sign here's a comic book that i want mark ruffalo to sign cool next person what color marker do you want mark ruffalo to sign and i told him like i don't care i had a uh my comic of Hulk that I had Mark Ruffalo sign was it's darker and orangey and stuff. Like I was like, whatever shows up, I don't care what color it is. I just want it to show up. And so they're like, okay, silver would probably be the best option. It's like, cool. Mark, they went and slid it under Mark and they go silver. Mark has a gold marker in his hand and starts signing his name and he signs the M, and he looks up at me, and he goes, oh, my God! Oh, I'm so sorry! They said silver, and I signed it in gold! Oh, my God! Do you want me to pay for this? I'll pay for the comic! Oh, my God! I'm so sorry! And I was like, Mark, Mark, you signed it in gold. You're signing on a green surface. I think I can see gold marker on the green surface, but it's not what you asked for. And I was like, Mark, I just said that 
should, something I can see, please. I just want to see your signature. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he like flipped his shit. It was a gr- it was an amazing series. But Mark Ruffalo flipped his shit over the fact that he accidentally signed my comic in a gold marker instead of a silver marker. And that's the, one of the gr- highlights of my life. <laughs> that so, that just means okay. he gives a shit. Well, yeah, he yeah. cared and like you definitely saw that like, he was in a rhythm at that point. Yeah. Like, so he wasn't thinking and just, oh, oh, and he did the M and flipped out and you can see on my signature like the stoppage and then him like finishing the signature off because he realized he fucked up and he felt so bad and I wish I would have had a body cam on me to get that interaction because that was one of my favorite experiences ever yeah I can't wait to go again a quick little story kind of like that I have with that but it is the whole like like they don't meet exactly your expectations was uh like yeah i'm six foot four i'm a well above average height human being like i get that but uh i met mark Wahlberg, and you know in every movie he's just this jacked like big guy like everything he's five nine dude like (laughs) really that's it yeah he's like he's like five nine five ten he's somewhere in there but yeah like i stood over him and like Super cool guy, like, everything you would want out of Mark Wahlberg, like, that you think he is, like, really chill, really cool guy, like, everything. Shook his hand and everything, like, he is strong, like, his hand basically almost broke mine still, but it was, like, when, like, you initially see him, I'm, like, I was, like, oh, he is not quite as tall as I thought he would be, <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's my story, meaning, like, someone famous where, like, they just don't meet your expectations. Yeah. Let's see. I uh, I used to do band interviews a long time ago, and the best one that I did was with David Brocky, who uh, was the was the guy who led the band Gore, and I did this interview with him just the autumn before he passed away, and so I was not as as big into Gore back then either, and I, I didn't realize I didn't know what to expect from uh, from Brocky. Didn't know what he was supposed to be like, so I I just found him and said, Hey, I'm supposed to do an interview with you. And so he led me to his, his bus. He was one of the nicest guys I've ever met though. Like he would, uh, he would get stopped while walking with me by a couple of fans and he would just say hi to them, chat with them for a second. And there's certain people that understand that we have no real uh, room for like the, the rock star kind of vibe. It's like, you need to be a real human being. And so he walks me over to his bus and we have a shot of Jägermeister before and after the interview. But while I was getting things ready, he just stopped and said, Hey, can we do an interview as me of me as um, just David Brocky instead of Odorous Urungus? And like, I lit up like, yeah, cause I'm a very behind the scenes kind of guy. So it's like, this is like the best thing ever for me. And so my job as an interviewer is to um, is to get the person to keep talking. So if if you don't shut up, that's nothing but good for me. So I ended up with one of the best interviews I've ever done. Shit, yeah. No, that sounds like you fucking you got everything you needed out of someone actually being a real human being instead of being this persona that everyone thinks they are. Yeah. Which also leads to you looking like an even better interviewer because you got to the real human being over what they are 
personified as. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Liana Kersner is someone that I interviewed as well on my, on my podcast. Just one of the sweetest people I've ever talked to. And, and she always had, had details to go over, always had things that she was able to talk about that made for a great podcast episode. Um, as far as like meeting your heroes go, like I've been a fan of Maddox for years and years. The guy actually helped me out with, helped me with my writing style, my way of forming humor uh, when I was a teenager. So it's like being able to talk to him and then being on his, his podcast network for the past few years that's like being in a thrash metal band and all of a sudden getting the attention from like Slayer to me. Right. Yeah. Oh God, I have a story about Slayer, but that is not something that's going on this podcast. <laughs> uh, an old manager of mine actually has a story about Phil Anselmo. Uh, this was back when he was doing a lot of, uh, a lot of drugs, a lot of heroin. And he came across them at a, at a show and they tried saying hi to him. And Phil looks at them and goes, the fuck you guys aren't chicks and he just walks away oh god that might be the greatest thing we've ever fucking heard about that man <laughs> at this point we need to actually get dirk talking like <laughs> maybe actually learn some um what got you started on the podcast you're on now like what like how did that form up how did that become a thing because i know it's you can tell from the little we haven't all gotten to really go through a lot of your podcasts, but from what we can tell is it, it's something you guys are very passionate about and we can tell that you are very knowledgeable about. So how did my that favorite how to become a thing? part of your podcast was listening to you drag on dragon age inquisition for five minutes. <laughs> that was beautiful. I loved that. We were, uh, so, the, the multiplayer of dragon age inquisition is very stupid. I also played as a bard for like 10 minutes and I was very confused. So, <laughs> A really quick thing just to get this out of the way before you go into what I just asked you. Um, we all as a house, like house and like friend group besides like Adam, because Adam doesn't really play video games. We all played through Dragon Dragon Age Inquisitions, but we we're also all the people that started playing Dragon Age Inquisitions. And after about 10 hours realized, hey, fuck, we're going to be stuck in the hinterlands for like the rest of this fucking game and we're fucking done. And then we all finally got our, like, we all talked. We we're like, we all need to get through this and, like, actually play this fucking game. Yeah. Dude, that, that, that can actually suck you into it real quick with the hinterlands. So the way this all started, it was back in 2016. And, like, the idea of podcasting was something that I've always wanted to do. I just never had the opportunity to do so. And I went to a birthday party of a friend of mine. And uh, Mitchard, my old co-host, was talked to me about how he wanted to start doing podcasting. So I thought about how, all right, I've got a MacBook and I have a really shitty USB microphone. Uh, let's just use that and see what we come up with. So, Hey, it's like how we started. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I, I, I actually remembered uh, advice from Maddox about podcasting in the first place where you record three episodes, get rid of them and then start the show. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you at least did that. A lot of people will, will just start recording, get the shit out there and they, they don't grow from it. They don't learn from it. So you had, a, 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 I'm sorry, I had a podcast that looked, that sounded like it came from a shoestring budget, but I, I knew like there was something there. I was able to work with this and I decided, okay, I'm just going to, 
do things right. I'm going to get a mixing board and we're going to have the, the sound quality boost up because if I'm going to have two people in, in the studio, I might as well at least make it sound as, as good as possible. So that was the beginning of Super Arrogant Bros. And we've, like, I've been running that podcast ever since. That is my main baby. Uh, Mitchard left Super Arrogant Bros back in 2018 because I'm a giant asshole. And I do all the work. I do all the recording. I do the editing. I make the thumbnails. Like all Sev has to do is sit in front of a microphone and talk. And he does the job damn well. He's fantastic. I couldn't ask for a better co-host. So uh, besides Super Arrogant Bros, I've also done a couple other podcasts here and there. I used to, we used to do what was called the Plastered Paladins. And it's pretty much the same thing that you guys do. I like this. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of all of them. I'm already ready for this. And th- yeah. Let's bring it back. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Let me continue to drink this beer and finish. Yeah, f- Ferda. Yeah, let me drink this beer. Let's hit a Ferda in listen. there. Uh. <laughs> as, as basic as Budweiser is, it's just good. Anyways. Thank you. <laughs> it's a it's not, that a lot. It's really not. So the Plaster Paladins, uh, unfortunately, did end as soon as Mitchard left because I tried re- I tried replacing him, but it just didn't fit. I would love to be able to bring it back, but it's it's been dead because it's like I don't want to just drag a horse for so long. Like I've got listeners that have wanted me to do that as well, but it has to be right. And if it's not right, I don't want to do it. I am focused way too much on the the quality of the content that I do to um, like it's the whole thing's a legacy legacy to me. Like I will listen to back episodes of the Plastic Paladins every once in a while and think, God, like the chemistry was just perfect. But you know, it's like after Mitchard left, it's it's like what now? So. Uh, besides that, I've also done a show called Java Fog, where it was my ability to do a solo so, solo show, talking about horror, talking about music, uh, urban legends. So it was like the freedom to do what I wanted to. But recently, I, I did let the show die because it just wasn't getting much for downloads. And what I'm deciding to do now is turn it into a streaming show instead of a weekly podcast so that people could interact with it. So like for that, that's another thing where it's like, I'm going to take my time with it to make sure everything is just right. I think that's a huge point that we've hit is like, we've learned that like, we want to move on from like, not like what we're doing, but we want to move into the aspect of like being more accessible to the listeners. Like we want it to be more interactive instead of just listening type of a thing. It's kind of where we, go from like if you've heard our past podcasts like when it's just us three doing our quote-unquote solo episodes it's just it's just us talking like just bullshitting doing our normal stupid shit and it's like we want that but we want it to be like interactive and like kind of get something from it from other people yeah yeah i mean with with the plus paladins like it's it reached a certain demographic with how like stev is a complete weeb and and I and I feed into him being a weeb, which which made great content. So it's like, uh, God, we we were referencing Kantai Collection, which is an anime about 
these these girls who are named after World War II ships and they do battles in the ocean. But like there's this one character that would have a, a tick where she would say poi. And so Steph and I would just like repeat the word poi every so often just to get Mitchard pissed off at us. There is that aspect of like what you were saying though, like if for some reason this podcast wasn't to work and like each of us wanted to go do our own solo thing, I there would be the aspect of like fuck like there's just something missing about it. And like when you have a chemistry, like you can feel it. I don't know if like I because we're not very big yet or anything. We're hoping yeah. to be. But like you don't know if everyone else understands or can feel that chemistry. But like when we record, it's like fuck like this shit's hitting like let's just keep going and like that's how most recording pot like for our podcast goes is just like fuck like we're going like we might as well just keep recording and see if we can make something else out of this like yeah when that when that ball is rolling when that chemistry is just popping for you like you, you gotta just grab it and, and run with it um god for so i think so with super arrogant bros that started back in 2016 one of the big reasons why I wanted to do it in the first place was like, I was very heavily involved in the whole Gamergate controversy. And that was, <laughs> yeah, that was just because like, I care about journalism and where it's going and I think it's shit. And so I wanted to make content that, you know, if you want to just listen to people talk about the, the games and, and like not forcing weird political angles into it, like that's, that's what I want too. So, I loved how you guys do a, a gaming news. Oh, how, how so? Thing like that. It, uh, it, it's just you don't. I, I, geez, the only way I see stuff about games is like if it's a new thing on Steam or something shows up on Twitter. But like hearing two people talk about it, I don't. I listen to podcasts, but I listen to like historical shit, yeah. horror shit, news shit. I don't listen anywhere. Like I don't listen to Rainbow Six's weekly podcast. I would like to, but I find that incredibly boring. Yeah, yeah. But finding, but getting like a news podcast, a news for games, but with like comedy to it, with with your perspective, with your opinion it's on it. Someone who I find actually that has knowledge it's, it's on it different. instead of yeah, like, or instead of a developer yeah. or something like that, someone who's basically paid by the company. Yeah, it's like we're not IGN. I will burn bridges if I have to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I care. I care about the the honesty in journalism. So, uh, like, do I want to listen to somebody that's just sucking the corporate dick, like Collider, or do I want do I want to listen to to people that are just like adults that are talking together? Like, that's why Red Letter Media is so important to me. It, it feels like I'm listening to a you know a group of grownups talking about the movies. That's what I wanted to hear. I mean, I, I was around for when IGN got railed for, like, a Pokemon game because they rated it, like, a 5 out of 10 because of the water or some shit. Like, that was back in, like, 2012. <laughs> well, and then... that was I was still yeah. in middle school. And then there's, like... I was in high school for there's that. There's, like, yeah. Arkham Origins, where when the game came out, yeah, it had a bit, of a, a bit of a tumble from the production, but it's still a good game. I would rate it a... Like, I hate doing ratings because it doesn't quite communicate my actual feelings about the game but like if you were to give it a six or a seven sure i can go with that but then jim sterling's fat ass gives it a three out of ten and it's like where does this come from did you actually play the game did you have any enjoyment out of it well, it's still working off the same formula that's why it's still good that's why i don't go off rating so much this isn't like i think video games are supposed to be a thing that like 
you play it and you get your enjoyment out of it. Like we could all play yeah. the same game and get something completely different out of that game. Like yeah, Skyrim. Skyrim is a perfect example. Well, of that. If you choose any RPG, that's kind of how it works. Like because you get to build your character how you want and stuff like that. But like like he said, like Arkham City and stuff. Like I mean, everyone's going to get their own enjoyment out of it based off of like Adam's really like you two like Nick and Adam like you both know a lot about Batman based off of like comics and like movies and stuff like that and like me being someone who's not into like the comics and movies of that type of stuff like we are going to have completely different viewpoints off of it and you guys could rate it like he said like a three four out of ten and I could be like I thought that was a fucking seven like I thoroughly enjoyed the mechanics of the game and like I thought your Batman your Batman is Christopher Nolan my Batman is Scott Snyder yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So yeah. I, I don't do rankings. I, I think it's bullshit and people tend to abuse it or get the wrong impression out of a, of a score system. It's, it's either a yay or a nay. So I, I believe that the purpose of a reviewer, of a critic, is to tell you whether or not something is worth your money and time. Because if like when I bought duke nukem forever for 60 bucks because i bought it on the midnight release i was pissed off because i felt like i was playing a game that had the original xbox graphics instead of something for the 360 so i felt kind of ripped off but then like buying a five buying it for five bucks and playing it okay yeah this is fun now like i want to be i want to be able to know like am i going to be wasting my time by getting into something that yeah, I, I think I personally go on a three rating system. It's the yes, no, and maybe. Yeah, like that's where I go off of. Like if I rate, like we don't do ratings and stuff, but just my own personal shit that I do is, uh, yeah, like yes, I love this episode. This is a great episode. Provide me more shit that is like this. Maybe of. Eh, like we'll see like i need more yeah like give me more info and i can make an educated assumption on what i feel about this and no is one episode in you should cancel everything like (laughs) (laughs) like and i'm like super easygoing on anything i rate because well, yeah, you made us and watch Velociraptor, like, and we all thoroughly enjoyed it. And that is definitely a no for any other human being. Veloc- oh, oh, if you have never seen Velocipaster, <laughs> go on Amazon Prime as soon as you let's end this podcast here. and watch it. Don't look at the rating. We're talking it's about a, ratings right event. now. Don't look at the rating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, like... I, I Also, never watch Tusk. <laughs> That's just my PSA to the crowd. Never watch Tusk. Let's see. Velocipaster. All right. After this, I have the next thing to go. Oh. I like what this is going. So let me tell you, it is a pastor who turns into a a raptor. Not a velociraptor, but a raptor. But so it so there is a ninja story thread that makes zero sense there's a vietnam story thread that doesn't make any sense (laughs) there is literally half of the movie is set in the same open area outside of a forest i'm pretty sure it's someone's like expensive backyard 
leads to a forest. And you can see, so the ninjas live in a tent in China, but then they're in America, and you can see the tent in China in the background. Like, <laughs> it's one of those movies that they're, like, they didn't even bother. And, it's like, got a weird romantic subplot with... Honestly, a- like, let's be serious, Between though. a pastor... And so, so, ha- so part of this movie, there is one part where the, a car is supposed to blow up and literally on the screen, they just, they show a car, they clip to the person reacting to a car blowing up. And then they, the next shot is the empty street where the car was with the text on the screen saying car blow up here. <laughs> <laughs> and they literally and, spent like ten dollars to make this movie and this movie's on amazon prime i guarantee you these fuckers are making it fucking great right <laughs> now in their lives oh that's great like it looks like someone was doing a college project and this is the best they could do for the college project submission and that's it. That's all it is. All right. <laughs> so, have you ever heard of Cradle of Fear? Not. No. 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 Uh, exactly. So, this is a movie that was uh, that was starring Danny Filth from Cradle of Filth, and and it's a horror film that's so low budget. You actually hear stock sound effects from the from the violent segments of the movie. And it was it was so terrible that I I couldn't finish I like I went through half of the movie, and and my partner who gave me the the DVD to watch was like trying to push me as as hard as she could to get me to finish that damn thing. I can't do it. I can't do it, man. No matter how much I love horror, I I hate Danny Filth enough as it is. I hate Cradle of Filth. Like, don't make me watch this thing. I mean, I love I love Schlock, but. Maybe there's a reason why nobody else has heard of it. I've whenever someone asks, "Hey, what do you want to watch?" I always say, "Deathbed, the bed that eats people." No one ever bites. <laughs> no one ever says yes. I'll watch it, and I'm still very sad. Um, I, yeah, I'll watch it. <laughs> Dirk, uh, based off of what was said way before we went on this tangent, like we always do, um, you said that like you're. We've never gone on a tangent ever, Jeff. I don't know. What yeah, we have about. very strict guidelines for our podcast that we Which follow. Which is always, always <laughs> we bring a guest on and talk over them and make sure that they are like the weakest point of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, Perfect. No, but you said journalism and stuff like that is very like important to you. How things are portrayed. How did you get into your type of your thought process of journalism and like how you got into journalism and because. Uh, I mean, yes, we haven't let you talk a lot, but it seems like from what I've gathered from doing this podcast with you is you are very good at like giving answers and being able to like ask questions and stuff like that. So like what has gotten you, where did that start? Like how did you build on that type of a thing? Really? I just went to a, a uh, high school course on journalism. That's it. I didn't go to college for it. I just took a, a course in journalism in high school just because I felt like it. And I, I, I learned about how there's cliches in journalism, uh, but there's also like ethical practices that you have to take within journalism itself. So like there's, there's 
severe do's and don'ts you need to make sure that you're good and and, uh, and able to do re- record keeping so that way if if something happens where you need to pull those files you better be able to do it um and i i have a few different areas uh where I, i've learned my critical thinking from like obviously maddox is one of them but i had another high school teacher that was uh one of my uh in, in one of my literature courses that was able to help teach that to me while we were going through uh through certain books and like i depending on the on the courses in school like i was bad at physics because i'm bad at algebra but if we're talking about things like when in terms of like writing and um and and how to talk to people like I, i took a speech course as well and i think that helped out a lot like if um like, like high school is such a development period in your life. Yeah, everybody hates it going through it. But looking back into it, it's like, those were golden years. I just didn't know it. And it's all because you're getting wrapped up in, in two different lives. You have your home life and you have your school life. And you, you always, it's a transition going to and from school every day. But if, if you're willing to put the effort in those courses, I mean, you're going to take away skills that are going to go with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, no, I I get that because one of the huge things that I'm about is <laughs> when we think of college, it's like you go to college, you learn, you take your gen eds, you take a certain amount of classes for what you want to go for. And don't like, personally, I think like, shouldn't it be high school is that gen ed thing where you like, you learn where you want to hone your skill set in like isn't that where that should be like you're becoming the person that you want to become but then we as like i think personally as americans like we delay that until you're in college to where like you really start to learn where like you want to be as a human being and like what you want to do when i think that's something you should do in high school and then expand on it in your secondary education like that should be that's just how i personally think that should be I I I I was uh I did really well in courses like astronomy. So it's like I I love astronomy, but what am I going to do for that as a career? I love journalism, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do that as a career either because like there's other people that are getting the experience and and I'm not from like clubs. So yeah. I went to college straight out of high school. So the same year I graduated. And the plan was I would get a liberal arts degree and get my gen eds done through the the community college because that would save money if I went to a university. Well, the problem was that I didn't know what I wanted to do uh, during my years in in college at that point. And so I ended up, I, I, I explored and then I got into courses that I had no business getting into and I didn't know it until it was too late. And so I eventually dropped going to college and did a full-time job. And so at the full-time job, I realized, okay, I like web development because of what I was doing at this job. And so I went, I I left that full-time position to work part-time and just pursue school in, in web technologies. And from there, it was like my grade point average average was just, straight through uh i was hitting the dean's list multiple occasions 
and uh, I, I finished it off perfectly well. But now I'm sitting with this degree in web technologies that is serving me no use. So really, I, I, I don't think college is as useful for everybody as people tout it out to be. To wrap it all up, um, Dirk, you were awesome. I'm sad you didn't get to talk as much as I wanted you to. But Adam and Nick like to talk a lot, and I like to ask questions, hence why we do these things. Hey there, hi there, but, hello uh, there. It was great having you on here. Please go ahead, plug yourself as much as you want right now. Sure, yeah. The podcast that I do, the main baby, is called Super Arrogant Bros. If you want to listen to a couple couple grown-ups talking about the gaming industry in a way that doesn't spoon-feed you things, that doesn't tell you to just, just shut up and consume product, that's that's your show for you. We are on Arrogant Media, and we are on Madcast Media, which actually has other shows that I would uh, tell you to check out, like Godzilla versus Podcast Zero. And uh, find me on Facebook. Uh, you can find me as Dirk Don and add me. And then you've got Facebook.com slash Arrogant Media. All right, awesome. As someone who has listened right. to a podcast of his, uh, sadly didn't get to listen to a lot more before we did this. I am going to definitely be listening through a lot of what's in his archive. I know Nick oh, listened to him. And I know this is now part of my weekly podcast list. Yeah, exactly. So wow. this is gonna be yeah, this is this, this is, is going on there on my weekly listens. So this is becoming a thing for me. Um <clears throat> definitely check out his links and at this point, Dirk, yet again, thank you. And Adam, take us away. Thank you all for listening to the You Hate to See It podcast. That was dark please follow him you can follow us wherever you listen to the podcast follow us on twitter at y-o-u-h-a-2-c-i-t and please follow us because we got some big changes coming up soon and they are really really great thank you so much for listening we're better than you and we hope you agree with us bye bye So, uh, Dirk, you like D and D, I hear. For uh, so, you know, I'm not great at transitions. This is why we leave the questions to Jeff. Yeah, I was wondering why you were still talking. <laughs> oh, we forgot our alcohol. Sorry. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'll cut that part out. It's fine.